so I'll ask you to stay. I don't want you to go. My heart is burning in your presence, Lord. Oh, please stay. I don't want you to go. of the Lord, hallelujah, and not know what time it is, because time stood still, and bodies were healed. And families restored because we stayed here in the presence of the Lord. No one had to say your word. Couldn't even make a sound. Oh, but could you say this? But I'd give up everything for this treasure I found. I never wanted to end. So I say stay I don't want you to go My heart is burning In your presence, Lord
been the cry of our hearts for years now. I want more, Lord. Whatever it takes, whatever the cost, Lord Jesus, I just want more, Lord. I need you in my life, Lord. It's a need that I've had, Lord, for years since I was born. I need more of you, Jesus. Lord, and until I'm changed, Lord, into your image, Lord, until this mortal puts on immortality, Lord, it'll always be my desire more of you, Lord. Father, we're so thankful to be gathered together on a Wednesday night, Lord, and to worship your name, to praise you, Lord, to be in your presence, Father, and Lord, to hear the word of God. I pray you'd come down in a very special way tonight. Once again, just speak to our hearts, Lord. Remember those who couldn't be with us, Father, streaming from home, unable to come. Lord, I pray you'd bless them tonight, too. Don't pass us by, Lord. So we commit our, this service into your hands. Myself, I pray you help me just to get out of the way and let you speak freely, Lord, to your children. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you, the musicians. That's all the singing will do. Amen. I have another honor today to announce a birthday that is not my own. So I want to say happy birthday to Sister Juliana. Mandapat. God bless you. Is that your birthday today? Where's she at? She's right there. Is it today? Oh, man. God bless you. We enjoyed your singing on the weekend, and it's wonderful. Amen. Nine years old. One more year, and it'll be ten. Double digits. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together, turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. I would ask if you enjoyed the weekend services, but I feel that would be a redundant question. I think we all did. It was good to be in the presence of the Lord. 
You know, I was listening to a message yesterday, and Brother Brandon was talking about a service Brother Neville preached. He said, I just was kind of riding all that all week, and I felt like that this week, just kind of riding on Brother Ed the morning, Brother Max the evening, both of them just hand in hand, and it was what an honor to be here. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to try and be prompt tonight and, and, and just move along, but don't hold it against me if I get carried away, please. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were made by things which do not appear. Amen. Let's just turn quickly also over to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Verse 41, says, uh, Mary comes to visit uh, Elizabeth, and verse 41 records, and it says, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of these things which were told her from the Lord." Amen. May the Lord have blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Amen. I want to just take a subject tonight, and I want to title it, What Evidence Have I? What Evidence Have I? And if I could just quote a couple more scriptures to you, you don't have to turn to it for the sake of time. In 2 Peter chapter 1 would, would record in verse 10, says, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen. I believe that's every one of ours desire is we don't ever want to fall. I, don't know, I, I believe that's, that's just as true with you as it is with me. I don't want to be guilty to say I, I, I fell and I keep falling over and over again. And in our humanity, we do. But yet, he says... If you will seek and make your calling and election sure, that ought to be our priority, to make our election, that I know that I was elected because election is something that didn't happen today. It happened before the foundation of the world, that he elected me and he chose me to be his bride in this day. And I'm so thankful for that because if that is sure, I can't fail. I can't lose. There's, there's nothing about me that can be lost because he's chosen me to be saved. Amen. And God doesn't make a wrong choice because he has perfect character. Therefore, his choices are always perfect. And if he ever chose you, that means that he knew exactly what he was doing. Amen. And in Luke chapter 10, I'll just rehearse this quickly. But in Luke chapter 10, verse 17 says, And the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. 
And behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. What an, what an awesome promise. But he goes on to say, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. And I love this scripture. I was talking today with a brother about it. And he says, well, what does that mean? And to me, it is this, that the, the, the central focus of our joy is not that the devils are subject to us. Even though, I'll be honest with you, it brings me a lot of joy when I step on the face of the devil. When I break on all his teeth and I say, boo, devil, and he gets smaller, it does bring me a lot of joy, doesn't it, you? It does. When he's defeated in our lives, it brings us a gladness and a happiness. But that's not the place that our, our, our focus or the root of our joy should come from. It ought to come from the grace of God that he called us, that he wrote our names in heaven, that he chose us before the foundation of the world. That's where our joy comes from. Because if it comes from there, the devil can never take it away. Because he didn't give it, so he can't take it. Amen. But if it comes and it's rooted in the fact that he's subject to us, then he gave it to us. Wow. Therefore, he can take it away. Praise God. But he can't because that's not the source of it. The source of it is in Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. An invisible union, Brother Brandon would, would make a few statements, and I'm going to read some quotes tonight, not too many, but just quickly. But he says, I'm not speaking to, the, to this local assembly exactly. I'm speaking altogether across the nation, so we know no one could say that wasn't for here. It was for here. He says, you must be dead to your first husband. If you're united to Christ and still married to a denomination, you're an adulteress. And he says, you are Laodicea. He says, then, then several paragraphs later, he says, your first husband is dead. You know he's dead. God let it die. It's finished. All of it's scientific. It's intellectual. It's educational. It's scientific ways of its so-called Bible schools and things is perished. In other words, if your first husband dies, that first husband is your first nature. And if that first nature dies, every facet of it has to die. Uh, we don't keep a little bit of it here and a little bit of it there. Because in one place he says it's not a divorcement of that first nature. It has to die. You don't divorce it and hang it up for another occasion where at one time you want something in the future. No, it's dead. And you don't get nothing from a dead person. Even if you exhume the body from the grave, it doesn't come back alive. It's dead. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. But he goes on the next paragraph. He says, what, what's it done? It's separated oneness here and trinities here and twoness here and over here and down here and such a mess up and call themselves Pentecostals. So now let me just put it in here so I don't have to read a whole bunch to you. But what he's talking about is saying when your first husband isn't dead, it brings division. When you don't let it all die, it begins to creep in and begins to say, well, I've got this group over here and that group over there and this one over here. That's not the nature of God. That's not the nature of our first love, which is the Lord Jesus. Amen. In another place, Brother Branham says, you've got to be dead to your first lover. And I love that because our first love is Christ. Because we were in him before the foundation of the world, but the lover that we received was not supposed to be our husband. That was our flesh. Amen. But it began to be a romantic relationship in the spiritual. 
But but if that hasn't died, we begin to separate and we begin to divide and we begin to, because we want to keep a little bit. And it's not because of anything other than the fact that it's something called human nature. It's not because somebody's trying to be evil or someone's trying to be mean. But it's because in human nature, it is comfortable for birds of a feather to flock together. That's, that's a comfortable thing. So it's very comfortable to us to say they're of a legalistic group and I don't identify with that. I'm a bit more, you know, free. So I'm going to be over here and I don't really want anything to do with them and they're over there. But they're that group, there's that group over there. They're very emotional and I don't really identify with that because I'm just not comfortable with it. It's not because we're trying to, I don't want to be emotional. I think that's wrong or I think this person, they're wrong. And no, but we get in there and say, well, it just, it just doesn't make me comfortable. But, but that's in our human nature and that human nature has to die out till we recognize and we can see Christ in our brother because in all of these groups, there's a, there's a, there's a commonality and it's something called the Holy Spirit. And I think we're very familiar with what that is, amen, with who that is. It's the Holy Spirit that is a commonality, and to some people it makes emotion, to some people it makes them very, very, uh, it'll make them stand on the word very straight, and it seems like they're legalistic, but in reality, because of their background, they are that way. And could they loosen up? Sure. But could the one over here that allows everything be more tight? Sure. Are you with me right now? But what we need to do is be able to look beyond those things and say, Lord, where's Christ in my brother? Where's the Jesus in them that I can contact, that I can be in fellowship with, that I can love? Because by this shall all men know you are my disciples when you have love one for the other. Because he says that's what it is when we receive the Holy Ghost. It isn't a jump up and down and a shout. That's not the evidence. It isn't just to speak with tongues and a run over the floor. It isn't an organize a group and say, we got it, and the rest of you haven't got it. That's the words of the prophet. I, I'm not just putting things in here now. This is him. And he's saying it this way. He says this, and that's not it. He says, it's to work with love and humility as Christ came to do with. This is what all men know. You, this, is when, uh, this will all men know you are my disciples when you have love one for another. And I love this about Jesus and I, what I've been enjoying about watching the Chosen series is Jesus went out and he got himself a tax collector. And he went over here and got himself a fisherman. Right. And he went over here and got himself a zealot. And he went over here and got himself little James. And over here got himself big James. And he went over here and got himself one that's fiery and one that's not fiery. And he got himself an architect. And he got himself all these different people that came from all different walks of life, from all different groups that wouldn't have anything to do with each other in their carnal nature. But he brought them together and said, I've chosen you twelve. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the nature of the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't change today when he called all of us together from different walks, different ways, different churches, different backgrounds, different scars, different hurts, different upbringings that we could look at. And he brought us all together as a family and said, I've chosen you before the foundation of the world and all the things you've been through in this life has nothing to do with it. Hallelujah. He says, how can you expect honor from God when we're expecting honor from one another? Oh my, that's a straight statement, but that's absolutely the truth. How can we expect honor from God when we're so busy trying to please our brothers and sisters? 
We're so busy trying to find ways to work into when instead we ought to press into Lord and into God and say, Lord, show me Christ in my brother. Not trying to please his carnality and trying to impress him, trying to impress her. Amen. Let's impress God. Say, how's that possible? Well, the centurion did it. Faith. Oh, my. As the bride of Christ, we ought to act like the bride. Oh, praise God. It's such a simple statement, but yet it's so vast. As the bride of Christ, we ought to act. You know, my dad made a statement one time. He said, after so many years, I think he put a number on there, I think seven years he put. After about seven years of marriage, a man could no longer blame his mother and father-in-law for the way his wife acts. I don't like that. And after a while, brothers, you can't keep looking at her mom and dad like, you raised her. No, she's been with you now for a long time. I think it's your fault at this point. <laughs> but, but, but we got to get that way. How long have we been in the message? How long have we had the word around? How long has Christ been in our midst? Over and over again, and still we're looking at it and saying, well, it's the old man. Well, it's the old man. I'm going to blame this. No, it comes to a point where we say, Lord, maybe I haven't been surrendered enough to you. And I haven't been acting enough like you. I've been trying to act like me this whole time and trying to bring the old man back up and revive him again and bring him back on Sunday and lay him down again. And Monday, I'm back to the CPR again. And how can I get him to revive again? And Wednesday, shoot him again. And then Thursday, CPR again. And the poor guy, just let him die. All these circles we just want to draw for our own comfort. They all have an element of Christ to them, but yes, they have an element of humanity. But if we can get together by the unity of the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says to provoke one another to good works. How how do I provoke? Just make them angry? No, provoke the Christ in them. Amen. Do good that they would do good. Give them something to look forward to, something to look forward to. Ask them a question they don't understand. They've got to dig into the Word and then try to find the right answer. Amen. Provoke them unto good works. Amen. Hallelujah. I have, to, I have to change gears quickly, and I, I've been in about fourth gear, but I need to take it down a notch for a second. Because I want to lay in a principle real quick for, for a moment. It's important to move forward, but... Brother Ed made a statement, and I just want to expound it in a minute when he preached part two of what I preached last time I preached. <laughs> but that, that there's, a, there's a difference, and that you have to understand the difference between being espoused and being pregnated. There's a major difference between the two. Being espoused, an, espou- an engaged woman is, in, is espoused to a man. Brother Brandon would say, in God's eyes, they're already married. There's a spouse to them. Paul would say, I've espoused you to Christ as a chaste virgin. And there's, there's an area of that, and there's, there's a time of that where there's an espousing. And if we stay there as a church, well, I'm espoused, I'm espoused, I'm espoused, we'll never move on with God. We've been espoused for a long time, but I want to tell you there's so much more to the Word of God today than just to be engaged, than just to have a wedding ceremony. There's a consummation of the marriage vows. 
because a wife becomes pregnated because she has intimate relationships with the man. In other words, she's consummated the marriage vows. Pregnation is just a furtherance of an espousement. It's the same relationship, but there is more, there, there is more to a love relationship than just an espousement. Sometimes we get so involved in that because there's a couple engaged sisters in our midst. It's such a wonderful time. It's, there's so much to look forward to. It's so much exciting and it's wonderful. And he's, there's no bad. It's all good because it's all about the wedding. It's all about what's going to happen. And it's, it's just wonderful. The only bad part is the stress because the date's coming so quick and everything's happening so fast. But yet, it's a happy time. You've never gone three trials together. I, I didn't when I was engaged. It wasn't a big trial to me. It was a lovely time. It was a lovely time for her. Maybe it was a trial for her. No, it wasn't. All right, we're back together. Thank you. But, but, but it was that way. It's an exciting, you've never been through any trials, but then when the, when the marriage happens and you begin to have a real relationship, there comes trials, and she gets pregnant, and all of a sudden she's sick. She's got morning sickness. And then you have a child, and there's raising a child, and there's things happening, there's things going on that it's so much beyond what you are, and you look back to the good old days, but the relationship isn't the good old days back there. It's come to a deeper level of love. It's come to a more intimate relationship where there's a more loving relationship, a deeper understanding of one another, where now she even begins to bear his seed. And, 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 and you may have, I'll say it this way, you were married at one time to your first husband, which Brother Branham calls your, your nature, your first nature, but, but, and you may have been married to other things as well down through time, and I don't have time to go into that, but, but don't let that impregnate you. Let me say it that way. You were, you were married to your first husband, which was your first nature, but don't let that impregnate you. Because listen, as you say, well, give me a scripture. James chapter 1 verse 14 says, but every man is tempted, and when he's drawn away with his own lust and enticed, and the next verse says, and when lust hath conceived. In other words, this is a relationship between an individual and lust that goes deeper than just an, an enticement and just an espousement, but now it's gone into an intimacy where lust has begun to conceive, and what it brings forth in that conception is sin. And when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. Oh my, what a horrible thing. But yet there is that possibility because the seed, I'll say it this way, the seed that, are, that is sown by that first husband is also going to be reaped. And the more seed that you conceive of the wrong way, the more you'll reap that way. That's just the law of nature. The things that we sow, those things shall we reap. Who did the sowing? Our first nature. There was a man, Brother, Brother, Brother Branham. Jesus tells a parable in the Bible that he talks about. There's a man that went forth and sowed good seed in his field. And the good seed, and then he went, and overnight, the enemy came and sowed bad seed. What was the good man of the field doing? He was sleeping. In other words, he was not paying attention to the field. That's what happens so many times to those that are raised in a message home. You're raised up, good seed sown, good seed sown, good seed sown. But then you start to allow that first nature begins to take over, begin to have a personality. Things begin to develop. Things begin to happen. And you begin to start sowing bad seed in there. It's going to have to reap one day. So the sooner you stop sowing that seed and start going back to the right kind of seed and wake up to what you're doing, the faster you can stop that harvest. 
But I want to I get into that further here because there's, there's a lot of good promises in that as well. But Brother Brown would say, if you love the world or the things of the world, the love of God is not even in you. See? He says, then he goes to describe someone that, that, uh, that, that loves the things of the world and that claims to believe the word but doesn't live the word. He says, he's telling you a lie. He sold his birthright. There was someone that could go to Bible school or, or believe and say, I love the word and all the word's true, but be baptized in the wrong way, for example, and not be baptized according to Acts 2.38. He says he's, he's, he's sold out his birthright. He's committed adultery against the very thing that he said he's put away in divorcement. Oh, my. God is going to have a virtuous church, though. Just exactly. He'll have a bride. Amen. The Bible said the word is not in you. What kind of a children are you bearing? Think about this. What kind of a children would you bear if you just took the word and you just begin to misinterpret it and mistake it and begin to misuse it and abuse it? He says you begin to bear denominational children. Pregnated denominationals, he calls it. He says there's been no death to separate you from your first lover. He says, that's what Eve took. She was pregnated with a kind of pregnation. That's what the church is today. The Bible schools and intellectuals and look, everyone disagreeing with the other, the big mess, just exactly what the Bible said. Babylon. What's Babylon? Confusion. He says, the bride knows where she stands, but she is very few. There won't be many saved. She's a very, very, very few. You say, well, they, they, it said thousands. Yes, but they've come up through 2,000 years. Two, on every age where it come from. See, let me just put it here and say it this way. Eve was pregnated by sinful desire. Eve was a spouse to Adam, but Satan through the serpent got to her first. And sowed the wrong seed in the right womb. And, but we find that in that, then, he, then, then she came to Adam. And Adam sowed the right seed and she bore twins. And we know that the world today is still reaping the fruit of that one. But that was under the old covenant. Because under the law, the covenant of the law, which is repentance by sacrifice, sin is covered. But not taken away. But the law always requires payment. That which you reap, that which you sow, you'll also reap. We have to be careful that our church doesn't become a Bible school. Where the life is taken out and it just becomes dry teaching. And it just becomes, well, we just, we're going to focus on the word. Yeah, and we do focus on the word. But there has to be a life that comes to the word. Because if the life doesn't come to the word that has impregnated the bride, it's a stillborn baby. He says, we find today the modern church. I'm so happy to not be a modern church. He says, but the modern church, and also we find there's a spiritual church, and both are pregnated to give birth to sons. This is in 65, choosing of a bride. He says, one of them, the modern church, a denominational birth, is going to give one of these days at the World Council of Churches, it will produce the, for the world an antichrist. 
through a denomination. That's exactly the truth. I may not live to see it, he says, but I believe it will. He says, and you young people, who was the young people back then? The ones that are real old now. Forgive me if, if you considered yourself a young person back then. But that's the truth. But he says, you'll see it. Remember that you heard a minister say that. That it will finally wind up that that is the mark of the beast. When she forms that world council of churches, she'll give birth to her son, the Antichrist. Why? Because she received the mark of the beast because she refused the word for her day. Therefore, she decided to go about and create a denominational world and from it brought forth, when sin conceived, it brought forth an Antichrist. He says, but the other is pregnated by the word of God the spiritual church, and will bring forth the body, the finished body of Jesus Christ, which is the bride. The body of Christ isn't finished yet. How many knows that? A man and a woman is one. One, and Christ is one body, the word. The bride will have to be the rest of that body. And the two together makes the one body again. Like Adam was at the beginning, man and his wife are one. Oh, hallelujah. See, now she, the true bride, so sold out to him that she used no mind of her own. His mind, of course, if his will, and his will is his word. Amen. So what he said, he's saying that he is the intelligence. She's the body, and we've come to an age of the intelligence, and he is the one that's the mind that's controlling the body. She has no mind of her own, amen. In order to be born into that, or baptized into that spirit, into that body by one spirit, there's only one thing you can do, and that's take on his mind. Let the mind that was in Christ Jesus be also in you. Hallelujah. See, if the law requires payment, but what about today, though, under the grace covenant? That we have a sacrifice that doesn't just cover sin, when Jesus was sacrificed for our sins, it wasn't just a covering. We know this. It was a completely doing away with sin. That he that's born of God does not commit sin. Amen. That's the only remedy then under the blood of Jesus Christ. That when you confess your sin to God and you do have pardon from God, then you're not a sinner. He that's born of God does not commit sin. And he says this next statement, which I love. If he does it, it's unwillfully. In other words, he didn't mean to do it. He was trapped into it. It's not the first look that condemns the man. It's the second look when he looks back. In other words, he didn't mean to look the first time. It wasn't on purpose. He doesn't, it's not a willful thing because he says the worshiper once purged has no more conscience of sin. For instance, the Old Testament of blood of bulls and goats covered sin, but the blood of Jesus takes it away and divorces it. There's no more to it. But what's he speaking of here? He's not speaking of your first nature. He's speaking of the sin. He's speaking of what was conceived through the relationship between you and your first nature. Oh, praise God. Those things that when you've gone too far with the wrong spiritual husband and conceived seed by an intellectual conception of Christ by your first nature, everyone just knows you and just knows your personality and you've conceived that seed, but he's here tonight to let you know, to say, I've already paid the price the law required for that. Yeah. 
I've already paid it. You can be totally free from every vow and every promise you've made to that first nature. You don't have to keep it any longer because I've annulled it. Because I've divorced away the seed from that thing. It's gone away from you. You're not being held for the guilt or the attachment to it. The ownership of that seed is no longer on you. That's what a writing of divorcement does. When it gets put away, the ownership is no longer there. It's put away. The ownership of that sin is no longer on you. It's put away from you. Hallelujah. So he says this. He says, your name... Your name and your first nature, when you was born, it was put in the book of life. All your deeds was wrote in it too. Everything you'd done under that nature was put in a book. Your first nature, your first husband, called the book of life. Praise God, it was on the book of life. That means you had a chance. But notice, he says, when Daniel, when he come in the ancient of days, whose hair was white as wool, and 10,000 is time, 10,000 come, is Daniel chapter 7 and about verse 10. And he says, and when the books were open, and another book was open, which was the book of life? There's the saints already there, the church, the bride. So he begins to paint this, this scene in here. He begins to say that Daniel saw it by vision and John saw it when he was caught up on the Lord's day and he wrote in Revelation chapter 20 and, and, and about verse 12, where we could read it that way where it says, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were open and another book was open, which was the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So there was a record on these books of the things that they did. Of all the things that they'd done through that first nature. But another book was open. Which was the book of life. So there were books that were open. But the Bible says that was the book of the sinners. In a couple of places he says that in past most vision. And he says that that, that that was the book of the sinner that was set through. That was open. That, that, that those were ones that didn't have a chance. They weren't on the book of life. They were there. They were the book of the sinners. They were just cast away. But he says, but the book of life now. He says, the books that were open. Is that right? Another book was open, which was the book of life. He says, the sanctified believer that hadn't received the Holy Ghost. So they were sanctified, but they did not become, uh, the, 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 sorry, that first nature did not die. They didn't receive a new nature. They didn't receive a new spirit when Ezekiel would talk about it and say, I will take away your heart of stone and I will give you a new heart and I will fill, put my spirit within you, a heart of flesh, and put my spirit within you. So those that are without the Holy Ghost are written in that book. But there was other, another part to that book that's talked about called the Lamb's Book of Life. And everyone whose name and whose deeds were on the Lamb's Book of Life is already seated on thrones with Christ, judging the world out of the Book of Life. But that's what's already happening because there's another part of this book, which is the Lamb's Book of Life that has already been opened. The rewards have already been given because they're already there. And they've already been judged because we accept our judgment here by dying out to ourselves. Amen. 
I just want to bring this across right. Because the book with, uh, that all the deeds of your first nature were written in. And he begins to judge the people of the world according to their deeds written in the book, the book of life. But the bride sitting there has already been judged. So her record, her record that was on the book of life isn't there anymore. I, I could I'll just insert in here quickly without reading because it's a very lengthy quote. But where Brother Branham goes into the diner. And he's there and he begins to condemn the woman that's sitting there with, with her man that got her arms around her, the policeman who's playing the slot machine with his arm around a woman. He's a married man and that's not his wife. And he begins to just condemn the thing. God, why don't you just wipe it off? And God calls him behind the door and he sets them behind the door and shows him a vision and he sees the blood bumper. And he sees, he sees his sins go before God and it hits that blood bumper. If it hadn't been for that blood bumper, God would have killed him right there for that sin. But rather because of that, it was written down on a book. It was a record. In other words, he was saying it wasn't the nature of God that was condemning them. It was the nature of William Branham that was condemning these people. And it was being recorded on the book of life. What was going on? But he said, but when I repented and said, Lord, forgive me. What happened to that record? It was gone. In other words, the evidence of what happened was no more. Praise be to God. Notice, he says, in the second resurrection. Right, let's just skip over that, actually. Sorry. Let's go into this. Like the heroes of faith. We read in Hebrews chapter 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But if you read all of Hebrews chapter 11, you begin to look into it, and you begin to read of these men, that if you go back in the Old Testament under the law, it recorded all of their failures. It recorded their victories, but it recorded their failures. It recorded the truth they told, but it recorded their lies. It was a complete record of their first nature. All the things that they did as they were striving to live for God. But then, under the grace covenant, I believe it this way, God began to open back the Lamb's book of life and let Paul look at it. As he began to write in Hebrews chapter 11, there was no lies there. There was no failure there. There was no sin there. There was nothing recorded about Abraham and deceiving this and doing that and at Noah and all his nakedness and there was nothing recorded about Rahab and all the things she did. No, it just said Rahab the harlot. Why? For identification to show she was delivered by faith. And if you go all the way down, it begins to say who through faith did what? Subdued kingdoms. Wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness was made strong, vaxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead to raise to life again, others were tortured and accepted deliverance, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection, and others had trials of proven mockery and scourging, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonments, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and doshkin, being destined, afflicted, tortured. Tormented, and of whom the world is not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. What's this recording? It's being a look. I say, look at the victory after victory after victory after victory after victory after victory. And Satan can look at it and say, but what about these defeats? And he says, there's no evidence. Oh, 
You can back it up one scripture and talk about in verse 31, talks about Rahab the harlot where it says she perished not with them that believed not when she received the spies with peace. Think about the life of Ahab, or Rahab for a moment where she lived the life of a harlot. Not a good life. An awful sort of a life. But she received a token by a couple of messengers that thy and thy house shall be saved. And all the evidence of the old life that hung around for a while. As she waited on the fulfillment of that message, she began to clean out the house. She began to clean out all the old things, all the old garbage that was there and all the things that pointed back to her life as a harlot. She began to realize, this ain't me no more. This ain't me no more. I can't keep this around. I can't keep that around. Because she was looking at one thing. There was something in the window called the token that was over her home and that token couldn't be there with the sin. The sin had to go where the token had to go. And she made the right choice and she kept the token. Amen. The only thing that mattered anymore was that token. And one day, judgment arrived. Oh, praise God. And they begin to march around the city. We know the story. On the seventh day, they marched around seven times. And as they begin to shout, the walls begin to shake and everything began to crumble. And they took and they burnt that city down and they slew everything in it. And they, they left nothing standing. But they took Rahab and all that were in her house and they brought her to, to themselves. And she might have had some, some malefactors and some scoffers there that said, you're not a very good woman. I know what you were like. I heard about Rahab the harlot. I heard about all the sin and all the things that you had done and all the way that all these other men liked you. I heard all these things. But she could stand there in front of them and say, Where's the evidence? Prove one thing that you're saying. Because all the evidence you burnt with Jericho. Hallelujah. There ain't no more evidence of it. Therefore, I ain't Rahab the harlot. I'm Rahab the wife of Salmon. Oh, praise be to God. I can see it right now like Lucifer who comes up at the white throne judgment and he finally comes as the Bible describes it in Revelation 20 and verse 10 that he would come before and he'd be cast in a lake of fire but I can imagine him come as he comes up there and he's got all kinds of accusations against the bride. Because he was there when you did your sinning. He was a good influence on that first nature. He was aware of the deeds that were written in the book of life. And as he began to think about these things, and I'm sure as he comes, he's like a scared rat in a corner. Why? Because he's realizing he knows just as much as he knows today, he's done. Oh, I look forward to that day. When the only thing, he's closer to the lake of fire than he is to me. Remember that day you pushed Joe? James the lesser over the precipice of the temple. Come stand on the precipice of the lake of fire. (laughs) Let me repeat that and push you in. But as maybe he began to come and he began to look at it and say, but I was there. I know. I had Andrew Dodd bound in lust. You've got a record of it. I know it's written and I know it's there and Jesus didn't have to get up and argue with him. I wouldn't have to get up and argue with him. 
my Lord could just stand and say, really? Where's the evidence? And he could come and scramble in the book of life and he could maybe take it. I know it's in here somewhere and look in the index and there's no Andrew Dodd. What'd you do with it? It's not in here. Oh, he began to look for the other. Where's Ed Hammermeister? It's not in there. Where's Marshall Bear? It's not in there. Where's Mike? It's not in there. Where's this person? Where's that? It's not in there. What happened to the record? There's no evidence. You can't prove a crime without evidence. You can't prove they did this without evidence. So you want some evidence? I'll show you some evidence. Flip to the last chapter. It's got big red words on the front called lambs. Book of life. This is the second volume of the first one. And he begins to flip in there. And oh, I found Andrew Dodd. I got it. Here it is. Let me read it to you. By faith, Andrew overcame lust. No, 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 no. Something's wrong. And he flips right over. By faith, Joan Wackelchuk overcame COVID. What? I thought it was a doctor's. I thought it was this. I thought it was that. No, it wasn't. By faith. Oh, Pramilalel overcame her, all of her diseases, all of her afflictions, everything that's had her, her family, all these things by faith. There isn't a record that says he was overcome by this and he was, oh no, it was by faith, Philip Parazon. By faith, Maxwell Boateng overcame the demons of rock and roll. Hallelujah. It wasn't by my mind, it wasn't by my powers, by his spirit alone. And there's a record in there that just says, by faith. He says, but what about all the lies? Something's wrong. There's none written in there. But I know that I beat them somewhere in some battles. Really? There's no evidence of that either. He thinks he can beat you in a trial here and there. But let me tell you, in the end, there's no evidence of it. Say, but what about this world, Brother Andrew? It's burnt over. All the bad things you built up, it's a burning pile of rubble. He says, but I know he built a kingdom. He had a bank account that he put this in there and he cheated. Really? Show me. By faith, he overcame those things. She overcame those things. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. He can look at it and say, oh, but I know. Just roll up his sleeves. Roll up Marshall's sleeves. I, I got him marked. I know he's marked. Show his sleeves. And that day, Marshall will roll up his sleeves and say, really? Amen. Show me. Yeah. Brother Harold's rejoicing in that right now. He had a tattoo, I think, right there, right there. This one. He could look at saying, because I marked him. But he's over there right now saying, show me. Yeah. Where's the evidence? It's gone. He said, oh, but I know I took her out in the world and I pierced her ears and I pierced her tongue and I pierced this. And really, show me. What evidence do you have? Oh, praise be to God. That's the grace that our joy is rooted and grounded in because the only record of our lives is that which was written before the foundation of the world. Because when was the last book of life written? Not in time. 
The book of life was written in time, but the chapter labeled lambs, that was written before the foundation of the world, before you ever committed a single sin, before you ever did any good, God knew exactly what you would do. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, praise be to God. Say, show me a scripture, Brother Andrew. I need more evidence of that. All right, fine. Go with the Revelation chapter 21 and verse 2. It says, and I, John, saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Let me say it this way. A holy city coming from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. There's the record that she was perfectly spotless without wrinkle. And when was she prepared according to Matthew 25 and 34? He says that they would inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Praise be to God. That God through his infinite wisdom took a picture of you back there when you was just an attribute and said this is what he'll always be in my mind. The devil can try and try and try and try and try to scar that, mark that, hurt that, do all of his best. But in the end, there's no evidence. He says, that's the reason you have to be born again. You have to separate You have to die to that first husband. You can't live with it. You say, well, I'll divorce him till another occasion. He says, no, no, no writings of divorcement. He dies. The nature of the world has to die. Every speck of him has to die. So you can be reunited again with another nature. Oh, praise be to God. You say, well, if I get baptized, the Holy Ghost then, well, maybe the Lord will take me. Oh, my. He says, no. It's not what it is. It's not a death. Not a physical death. No, not only that, he says, you're just getting ready to live. When you get the Holy Ghost... You ain't ready to live till you get the Holy Ghost. Then, when you get the Holy Ghost, then you're just fit to live. Oh, praise be to God. You say, oh, but I thought it was living. That I could just carry on and with life would carry on. And I didn't want to get, I didn't want to fully surrender because I got life living this way and living that way. You're not even fit to live until you get born again. You wasn't fit to live before that. See, you're just fit to live after you've got the Holy Ghost. Then you're getting ready. People say, well, I got to get ready to die. He says, oh my, I'm getting ready to live. Praise be to God. The thing of that is, get ready to live. Live in Christ. Victorious life over sin, death, hell. I already have the victory. Praise be to God. What's he saying? We don't got to wait till that day because potentially we've already lived in that day because we've died to this world and we've crossed over into the eighth day. Mm. He's my victory. 
Christ is my victory. I'm his evidence. I'm an evidence of his victory. There's your evidence, devil. I'm the evidence that Christ defeated you 2,000 years ago, and it's finished. Praise be to God. All the evidence of the victory, Satan, and over me has been wiped out. The only evidence left is the ones where I beat him. How do you know you got it? She's like, got it. I love that. How do you know you got it, Brother Andrew? I got it. He says he gave it to me by his grace. That's what my joy is banked in. He says I feel it. I know it. I see it working in my life. It changed me. And according to his book here, this book right here, the Lamb's Book of Life, once you see yourself in here, make your calling and election sure, and nothing can change that. Because the Bible said when you make that sure, you will Never fail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, I had eternal life in here. And I would not come into judgment in here. But I've passed from death to life because he took my judgment for me. He paid the price. So don't try and bring me to any judgment. He done took it already. Praise be to God. And I accepted it. There's no more judgment. There's no more death. Oh, I have to leave the church and leave the people someday if Jesus tarries. And if that happens, don't worry. I ain't dead. I can't die. I got eternal life. How can you die with eternal life? Always in the presence of God and forever shall be with him. Let me tell you this, saints, as I'm closing, there's a reality that's more real than this reality. There's a whole world around us. There's angels around us that are a whole lot more real than this physical world that we contact through the five senses of see, taste, feel, smell, and hear. These senses are pitiful. Because they only go so far and they're failing every day. But there's a sense called faith is the evidence that there is a dimension that is all the way around me. That yes, demons are real and they're trying to energize your doubt. But the angels are real and they're here to energize your faith to get you to catch that dimension. To step up a little bit higher and say, I want to live in victory today. Praise be to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The only thing that changes when we die is our senses. We finally lose these temporal senses. And that super sense takes over. We live in a realm of faith, a realm of the word, a word dimension. Praise be to God. He says, the only thing you die is it changes you. You receive another sense and you're alive with a higher sense and thousands times higher than this in another life. A life where there's no death, there's no sorrow and the things that you don't know nothing about. You see it plainly when you cross there. Praise be to God. Things that over here we just guess at. We hope at We love the little snippets of a vision here and a dream there and a this there and a that there and a little evidence and something that takes place. And we, by faith, we take a hold of those things and we believe them with all of our heart. But one day, 
so much more real when we can get caught up into that sense and we'll see it like we really were meant to see it all along. He says, you don't understand it now because you're bumping into it. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't understand it now, but you're bumping into it. He goes into it. He talks about it like a man that doesn't have sight. He's blind. And he says he's got four other senses, but someone that's, that can see begins to look at him and say, oh, that warm feeling you feel is the sun. But to him, he doesn't see the sun. It's just a feeling. He doesn't understand what the sun is. He doesn't understand what it is. He gets tripping over things here. He's tripping over himself and all kinds of things over here. But that's the way it is. But he says, that's the way we are. We don't see it like we ought to see it, but we're bumping into that dimension all the time. He says, when you get that strange little feeling here tonight, it looks to me like I could just want to cry, or I just want to shout, or I just want something to just take a hold of me. That's the angels of the Lord that you're bumping into all the time. Oh, praise be to God. We just change. We just change. Don't be afraid of death. Death ain't got nothing but a scarecrow. Jesus conquered evil when Paul come down to the end. He said, death, where's your sting? Where's your scare? Grave, where's your victory? You say you got me, but he says, but I want to point back there to Jerusalem where there's an empty tomb. I said, he conquered you, both of you, death and hell. And I know that according to Revelation chapter 20, that you're going in the lake of fire where you deserve. Both Satan, death, and hell are all reserved for that. Praise God. But I'm in Christ. And you, death, can't hold me. But let me tell you. I'll just put this in here. You're a great oarsman to take me across the river of life. He's still got a use until we get over there. But one day, that last enemy, when death will be swallowed up in victory. Why? Because we can no more die. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Why don't we stand to our feet? Oh, he says, you love him. You want to see us coming. You're just waiting for him. It's a long story. It's a long wait. But it's a love affair. Oh, you just can't wait till you see him. Oh, my. That's the way it is. But what's the time that we're looking for? That's the time that we're looking for. That's the hour. It's your heart like that tonight. Oh, friend, be careful. Don't let the enemy deceive you. When the Holy Spirit in here wants to take its flight to its master, there's a love affair no one could tell about. When the God that's in us Finally says, I had enough. I want to go up yonder. It's over. Oh, praise be to God. Don't you just love him? What if we could sing that song? Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. 
As I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within. Oh, but my Lord, He leads me on. Through Him I must win. And oh, I want to see Him. Look upon His face. There to sing forever of His saving grace. And on the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Oh, cares all past, oh, my last, ever to rejoice. And when in service for my Lord, dark may be the night. But I'll cling more close to him and he will give me light. Oh, Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside. Oh, but my Lord goes ahead, leads whatever be time. And oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Oh, there to sing forever. Saving grace on the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice. Oh, cares all past. Oh, my last ever to rejoice. Oh, when in valleys low I look toward the mountain deep. Oh, and behold my Savior that He's leading. Leading Amen. the fight. Stretched toward the valley low. Oh, is guiding me. I can see as I onward go. And oh, I want to see it. Look upon his face. Oh, there to sing forever of his saving grace. And on the streets of glory, let me lift my Cares all past, I'm all my last ever to rejoice. And when before me billows rise from the mighty deep, oh, then my Lord directs my bark and he does safely keep. And he leads me safely on through this world below. He's a real friend, he's a real friend to me. And oh, I want to see him look upon his face And there to sing forever of his saving grace And on the streets of glory, let me live my voice My cares all past, oh, my last ever to rejoice Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, my, when he makes that statement, when that Holy Ghost just wants to go home to his master, it'll just take me up there. He says, that ought not to scare you. Yeah. That ought to make you rejoice. That ought to make us so happy, even the happiest people on the face of the Why? Because my joy is not in how I'm feeling. My joy is grounded in the fact that I was there in the beginning. 
so I'll be there in the end. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, isn't he just so wonderful? Amen and amen. Why don't we pick it up maybe a little bit more, John, and you're good at singing this one. I'm going up yonder. Amen. If anybody asks you where I'm going. If anybody asks you where I am going, where I am going, someday soon, if anybody asks you. Anybody ask you 